Hi, it's Lynn Rossetto-Casper here with our special series of podcasts based on our new book, The Splendid Tables, How to Eat Supper, Recipes, Stories, and Opinions. My co-author and The Splendid Tables producer, Sally Swift, is here, too. Hi. You know, we have designed these podcasts to look at some of the more elemental things in the kitchen. But for a more detailed guide to recipes and recommendations, be sure to take a look at our book, How to Eat Supper. You'll find information on it at SplendidTable.org. Our goal with this podcast is to give you a practical guide to feeding yourself and the people that you care about. Now, we want to talk about the logic behind the ingredients and dishes so that you can improvise on what you find in the market, what you feel like eating, or what you have time to do. Now, people always talk about knowledge being power. In my book, knowledge is freedom. That's exactly right. You know, Lynn, this week we are talking pesto, and frankly, I am just getting out of your way. (laughs) You have to understand that I have spent... Many, many hours oh, yeah. <laughs> listening to Lynn weigh the taste of the very tippy top of the basil plant versus the lower leaves of the basil plant. Okay, you're exaggerating. I am not. But let me let me tell you how Italians What approach. is the true pesto, once and for all? All right, the true pesto, of course, we're talking first about that sauce that is of basil and garlic and olive oil and cheese and nuts. Okay, now... That sauce comes from the Liguria region of northern Italy. It sits on the coast. But when you go to Liguria, which is the home of pesto, everybody makes pesto. Everybody makes it a little differently. But when you ask where is the best pesto, they all say Genoa. Okay. Right. So you go to Genoa. You go to Genoa. When you get to Genoa and you say, aha, I'm here now. I'm ready for the best pesto. They say, "Uh, uh, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh. There is a little... We would call it a suburb, a frazione in Italian, that is called Pra. And Pra has the teeny tiny microclimate where supposedly the finest basil. Oh, I love Italians. I I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, then when you get to Pra, they're going to tell you only on that corner. But the reality is... It this what I learned being in the home of pesto and basil was really amazing to me because it, it gets to be really almost a fanatical thing. It I I I, I can hear that. <laughs> so, do you have to do it with a mortar and pestle, or do you do it with? A blender? Well, I'll tell you, this is a case of do as I say and not as I do. Right. Because this was very funny. A, a mortar and pestle is supposedly the traditional way you do it. That's where the term pesto comes from. It means to pound. And the idea is that when you crush ingredients together, there's a release of flavors and a marrying of flavors. Different from being chopped yes, up by a exactly. blade, right? Okay. Except that when you go into the market in Genoa and other places where the ladies, the farm ladies, have right. their own basil and they're making it fresh for you to take home, right? right. Oh, They gosh. have little... Mini Cuisinarts. Mini Cuisinarts that they were whirling away. I love that. Now there are people who disparage that. It's very hopeful for us. Yes, exactly. But to talk about how to make pesto, if you're going to use the mortar and pestle, this is the process. You put some salt Mm -hmm. into the mortar, Mm -hmm. eighth of a teaspoon maybe, Mm -hmm. a large clove of garlic, and you crush that, okay? And that salt kind of cooks the garlic, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it? does. It okay. softens it. It releases all of its its juices. It's 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 an interesting combination right there. And by the way, if you weren't going to use the mortar and pestle and you were going to use a food processor, you could still simulate that release mm-hmm. of those flavors mm-hmm. by putting a teeny pile of salt on your chopping board, put your clove of garlic on top of that, and then crush chop it, it up. crush it, and chop it with the salt. And then you can put that in the food processor. Okay, so okay. you have the garlic and the salt. Now, for that basil, and uh, this is where it gets uh, thorny. <laughs> yeah. It gets thorny because this is the reality, that the younger the basil, the better. 
What is generally used, and it makes the most fabulous pesto, is when the plant is six to eight inches high. Oh, they're babies. They're babies. They're young leaves. I can't bear to pluck them, then. You do not need fancy, you know, out there basil. A good basic basil is going to do beautifully, but it has to be young, and it cannot have any sign of a flower bud on it. And ideally, you know, it's maybe eight inches, maybe 12 inches high. Adolescence. So what you want to do is if you plant your own basil, plant it in waves. Mm-hmm. You know, plant it, then two weeks later plant more. And when you're in the market and the basil is just starting to come in, you mm-hmm. want to grab it as young as it possibly can be. When basil gets older, mm-hmm. the leaves start to taste anise. Yeah, they're tougher. They're tougher mm-hmm. and they're, they're just, they're lousy for pesto. So... Okay. You know, get them while they're young. Freeze them. Now, what about the cheese? What's the rule on the cheese? The, there is a rule on the cheese. And the rule is usually one part sheep cheese to two parts Parmigiano-Reggiano. And the sheep cheese is usually a younger sheep cheese. It isn't the pecorino that right. we know that's really salty. That anyone can find, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, if you easy. were in Italy and you were, you might use something called Fiore di Sardo, which is a medium-aged Sardinian cheese. Here, there's a cheese you find in supermarkets. It comes from Wisconsin that is a stunt double. It's called Fontinella. But any young American sheep cheese would work really well. And then the other cheese is the queen, right? Parmigiano-Reggiano. Parmigiano-Reggiano. And then I like toasted pine nuts. Some people like walnuts. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you would add is the olive oil. And the olive oil in the best of all possible worlds should Mm -hmm. come from Liguria. It's a very buttery oil. If you see the word imperia... Mm-hmm. On the label, which is the section it comes for the oil comes from, that's that. Don't use the Tuscan oil. It's too. It's it's a big bruiser. Heaven forbid. Oh, we no, would I'm use a Tuscan sorry, oil but if you're going to do it, dish. you do it right. All right. No? Okay. Let, well, let's look at what we've done here. We've got a big clove of garlic, some salt. We've got for two thirds of a tightly packed mm-hmm. cup of basil. Uh, you've got maybe a quarter of a cup of toasted pine nuts. You've got maybe a quarter of a cup of the sheep cheese, a half a cup of the parmigiano, and then. Only about a quarter to a third of a cup of oil. That's really not very much. Not a lot at all. And and that comes together, and it's just fabulous. And the fresher it is, the better, obviously. Now, classically, I mean, this obviously gets served on pasta all the yeah, time. But usually, yeah. here's my question, because I have had pesto served to me in Italy with green beans and a little bit of potato. Is that classic? It's, it's another wonderful way of serving it. It's very traditionally done. It makes it a meal. You thin slice new potatoes. And you would have some green beans and you boil them right with the pasta. And the pasta is often a square cut pasta, but a linguine would work. Mm -hmm. So a string pasta. But it's just a delicious way to eat it, the potatoes and the green beans and the pasta with the pesto. Fabulous. I'm starving. Okay. That's it for this week. Have a good one. For more information on our book, How to Eat Supper, our podcast, and our radio program, The Splendid Table, be sure to visit SplendidTable.org. Have a great week and we'll be back.